Thinnerlogs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hey folks, my name is Eric Garneau, and this is part one of the Nerdalog Presents Your Stories June podcast. This month, we're talking about journeys, and on this episode, we've got some fantastic stories on the topic from Nerdalog's member Alex Talavera and Chicago comedians Charlie Madsen, Maura Foley, and Jeremy Connie, plus three super sweet songs from me and Dwight Hassler. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff in this part and in the next two, so we hope you enjoy what we've got coming up in June for you. Uh, speaking of June, the first and second of this month, so the day it comes out and the day after, there are back-to-back Nerdalog shows in Chicago for your enjoyment. First up, we're taking part in the Chicago Nerd Comedy Festival at Stage 773, 1225 West Belmont, where we're rocking the 8pm Saturday slot. Come by for some greatest hit sketches, if we indeed have such a thing, as well as look at some brand new material that you can see fully realized the next night, June 2nd, at the next one-time-only sketch show we put together for you, entitled J.J. Abrams Presents The Nerdalogs. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that J.J. has been amassing all sorts of nerd properties lately, and now it's our turn to be subject to his deft and masterful touch. So this show is, is sure to be a high-budget, action-packed thrill ride, so hey, don't miss it. Uh, again, the Nerdalogs Presents, J.J. Abrams Presents the Nerdalogs, is Sunday, June 2nd, 7 p.m. at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street. Tickets are $5. Uh, our next Your Stories recording will also take place at the Public House Theater, and that is Sunday, June 16th. The theme of the June Your Stories is Indie which is kind of cool because it's the same weekend as the Chicago Alternatives Comics Expo. So if you're going to be in town for cake, the expo, not the food, come to our show too because it's literally down the street. Uh, So whatever indie makes you think about, come share it with a great room of people and maybe get on a podcast. Uh, Cool deal, right? As always, Your Stories is free to attend and free to participate. Uh, More information on Your Stories is available on our website at www.nerdologs.com that's all I've got for you right now. Uh, as always, if you like what you hear on the show, you can help us keep making it by PayPaling us a donation via the sidebar at uh, yourstories.podbean.com, and any amount helps, seriously. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and enjoy the stories. Future. All right, um, as you heard, the theme this month is Journey. We did not learn all Journey songs, but the, the set... We did, but we're not gonna do them. Yeah. <laughs> um, the set tonight is a little heavy on uh, on the cock rock. Just <laughs> so it, yeah. it fits with Journey. It fits with Journey in a in a way. Sing along. Here I go again 
find what I'm looking for. Oh Lord, I pray you give me strength to carry on. Cause I know what it means to walk along the lonely street of dreams. And here I go again. before Whitesnake ever made it to America, and the lyric in the chorus was, like a hobo I was born to walk alone. <laughs> it is very, very weird, that version. One of my bosses actually thought it was like a twister. I was born to walk alone. Because he's like, cause he was, no, his reasoning was, I don't know, it's lonely in Kansas. <laughs> 
Our twister's only How many times have you two twisters together? Never. It happened in Twister. I don't know why Dwight chose this song, but I have a feeling it's because it accompanies one of the greatest traveling songs in movie history. It's about traveling to America. Is that true? I just think of the bus scene in Almost Famous, like a quintessential American film scene. I read my Wikipedia. You know what's coming. I thought it was about Bernie Taupin's girlfriend. I mean, maybe he brought her to America. Who knows? Yeah. 
for everyone to share their stories, but we always like to try to kick things off with a member of the Nerdalog. So tonight we have Alex Talavera. Alex Talavera! Okay, uh, so when I was 18 and I graduated from high school, uh, the, the, the graduation present I got from my parents was a Eurail pass <laughs> and permission to, uh, to bum around Western Europe with my buddy Kevin. Uh, who is, uh, he's, his mom is Dutch and his dad is Irish, and so like he went to Europe every summer, and so like he was my guide across Europe. This story is not about Western Europe, because fuck that place. <laughs> uh, what I should have done, if I had had the foresight and knowledge, was do what I did when I was 25 and go to Japan. Uh, real quick show of hands in the audience, who's been to Japan? Couple people. Nice. Man, very good. Alright. You have not. Put your hand on. Yeah. Uh, if you are a nerd or someone who is even kind of nerdish, why have you not gone to Japan? Uh, when I was 25, I had graduated college. I'd been bumming around for a little while and I decided to take a teaching job overseas. Um, and uh, through my interest in kind of just anime and video games and, and the culture and language, I said, hey, I'm going to try to go teach in Japan. And I somehow landed a job and went out there. And I realized immediately, almost like the second it touched down, that I should have been there way sooner. Uh, I felt immediate home in this completely alien foreign culture. Uh, a couple things about Japan. Uh, one, the the whole like bullshit, like... The nail that sticks up the furthest is the one that gets hammered down. That's like the kind of that's the old saying that kind of uh, demonstrates Japan's uniformity and, and ubiquity. Uh, it's true, but it also is glosses over the fact that there are a shit ton of sticking up nails in Japan, <laughs> and uh, all those sticking up nails all hate the fact that they get hammered down all the goddamn time. So all they do is daydream. It's a nation of daydreamers. Uh, and these daydreamers 
they escape the way that we escape, which is through comics and video games. Um, and it's so pervasive over there that, like, video games aren't even called video games over there. They're just called games. Because everybody plays them. Uh, like, and comics are so ubiquitous that, like, you don't go to the comic book store, you go to the bookstore. Because half of the books sold are comic books. Uh, everyone there is a fucking nerd. And the entire... <laughs> the entire culture is nerd-based. Their economy is 50% nerd-based. It's, it's their number one export. That is, I mean, aside from like electronics and shit like that, it, it is their mass cultural export to the world. Video games, manga anime, uh, the, the product of nerds sitting in a cubicle hating themselves. Uh, going to that country and being in part of that environment was one of the most eye-opening things for me because I realized that even though I was, like I said, it's, it's, it's foreign. It's alien in all the ways that we think of when we think of like an alien culture. They don't have the same mores and the things that we kind of all just take for granted and associate with, like, what is America or what is Western civilization, like, they have don't, you know, punch a dude in the face for no reason. That one's covered. But, like, <laughs> but like other things, they do not. And it is an alien culture. When you sneeze, no one says bless you. No one says anything because it's a sneeze. Why do they need you to say anything? <laughs> And for some reason, that one took me a while to get used to. Uh, but it's an alien culture that I felt completely at home in because it's a culture of human beings who are so alienated from one another by this kind of desire to be correct that they all, in whatever time that they're not dressed in a full suit and tie uh, and have to go drinking with their coworkers after work every day, which is a thing, uh, they all want to just be in space. Uh, or, uh, or, or beating up water demons in the sewers of New York, which is what Super Mario Brothers is. <laughs> Koopa is a bastardization of Kappa, which is like a very old and long-standing Japanese boogeyman. The, Mario is a New York dude who stumbles upon a Japanese boogeyman and has to punch him in the face. Uh, and that is their world. And we are that world too, because most of us grew up playing Mario, and I assume watching Pokemon and Digimon and all that shit, and we've absorbed that same uh, outsider dream into ourselves. So when people tell me that, like, after graduation or whatever, they went to Europe uh, to see the Louvre or uh, Athens, you know, to, to see, like, these kind of pillars of Western civilization. That's great. I really don't... I re I'm not really here to be like, don't fucking go to Europe. But, like... <laughs> but the cultural touchstones that reflect back to me aren't in Europe. They are all from that weird, freaky monster island <laughs> on the Pacific Rim. Uh, and I learned more about myself from those people and that culture than I ever did for some uh, bullshit 
unfinished Gaudi cathedral. Yeah. <laughs> oh, architecture. Uh, so, with that said, uh, I'm making, I like making journeys and I like traveling, but like, uh, think about the roots of, of what you are and what you want, and think about what actually relates to you, because it's probably not what they tell you it is. Thanks. You heard it here first, don't go to Europe. Um, I thought Alex was going to talk about this, so I didn't mention it. So I think we should say, almost exactly a week from now, Alex will be married. So next up we have a speaker, he, uh, he's been traveling for a few months himself, I don't know if that's what he's going to talk about, but I'm thrilled to have him back at the live show, Charlie Madsen. Yeah, last time I was here it was January and we were not wearing any of these clothes. I was hanging out with a bunch of fluorescent pirates. <laughs> Alright, my name is Charles Madsen, I am the third of my name. I am the son of Charles Madsen, but I am not a junior because we have different middle names. He is Charles Allen and I am Charles Walter James. I like to think that he did this as a way of telling me to be my own man and to choose my own path. When you're named after someone, there's a deep embedded connection you'll always have to that person, be them fact or fiction. You'll be comparing and contrasting the highs and lows of both lives even though they're basically independent of one another. He himself, my father, was named after his grandfather, Charles, middle name unknown, Madsen. Who <laughs> <laughs> the fuck knows a great grandfather's middle name, honestly? It's not on the tombstone. <laughs> now, he is a legend in my hometown of Kodiak, Alaska. There is literally a nine foot tall bear statue dedicated to in his honor. I wonder sometimes if his notoriety put any pressure upon my father growing up. Only because after reading his autobiography, it put a little bit of pressure on me. I'll keep, here's, here we go. The first Charles Madsen grew up in Copenhagen, Denmark, with dreams of hunting polar bears in Greenland. When he was 19, he got a job working on a Danish trading ship that sailed around the world. The pay was poor and the captain was cruel. As they rounded Cape Horn, the living conditions went from bad to worse. Their bread was so infested with weevils, he had to soak it in coffee just so the bugs would float to the top and he could clear them away. After a year, they arrived in Honolulu and they met American sailors who were treated like kings by comparison. They spoke of the good life in California and Oregon and Charles decided it was time to quit his job. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the 1890s, you were essentially an indentured servant, and sailors often end up, up, up in prison for any breach of contract. So, as the boat was leaving the port of Honolulu, he tried to jump ship. His captain saw this and grabbed him around the ankles, and with his whole life ahead of him, Charles instinctually kicked his skipper square in the face and leapt into the warm waters of Hawaii. <laughs> Once in ashore, he hid in the mountains and lived for three days off of the plants until he was certain that the boat was gone and he could not be arrested for treason. <laughs> and that is how my family came to America. <laughs> Another of Charles' dreams was to be a cowboy like he had read about in many American novellas. So after arriving in San Francisco, he went to Central Oregon to work on a farm. But as soon as he saw a young, handsome man get kicked off of a stallion, break his neck, and die, 
he decided it would be probably safer to make his fortune panning for gold in the Yukon. So he made his way up to Nome, which was still a booming area from the Klondike Rush, and he married a 16-year-old native girl named Anna, and she taught him the language of the Inuits. His gold claim was becoming dry, so Charles decided to try his hand at a new trade, the fur trade. He saved up enough money to buy a schooner, and he traveled across the Bering Sea to the Chukchi Peninsula to exchange goods and furs with the natives of eastern Russia. He was a success with his new entrepreneurial venture, and he later became the first game warden for the territory of Alaska. He settled in Kodiak in the 1910s, opened a hotel, fathered nine children, only half of whom died. <laughs> he became a hunting guide, and he bought a luxury yacht so he could take dignitaries hunting for nine-foot-tall Kodiak brown bears. And this, along with salmon fishing, is how my hometown became a notable tourist destination. To me, his life was awe-inspiring, but so was the life of his son and his son, my father. My grandpa Roy turned 92 months ago, that's why I wasn't here in March. And he was a World War II vet, a district attorney, and later Kodiak's district court judge for over 25 years. My father was a crab fisherman in the Bering Sea in the 1970s, just like the deadliest catch, but you didn't have the same technology and stayed out there for six months at a time, so slightly more deadly. <laughs> and now he's an amazing photographer who also runs a successful engine marine pair shop in a fishing town, which is like being a doctor in a city full of hypochondriacs. I should also say that these men couldn't have accomplished this without the women who raised them and helped raise their children. I'm not discounting any of them. But the thing is, is that sons will always be more concerned with the shadow of their fathers. And I will always look at these men's legacies and blush because I wanted to grow up to be a fucking comedian. <laughs> and I'm a bit of a family nerd, so the comparing and contrasting. Yeah. What I've come to see in life is and the present can't always be appreciated like it can with perspective. A hundred years ago, when he was in his 20s, my great-grandfather was making mistakes, doubting himself, working hard, in spite of the odds, and he didn't know what he'd leave behind. And I'm sure that the men who came before him were equally as intimidating. In a hundred years, my great-grandson might be boasting about me to his buddies in Chinese terraform colony on the moon. <laughs> He'll say that his great-grandfather was raised in Alaska with dial-up internet and VHS. <laughs> He'll say that I was at the top of the Eiffel Tower before a new Islam melted it for scrap money. He'll say, he'll say that I hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon before they filled it up with water to become the world's largest swimming pool. He'll say that I made love to women long before the HPV epidemic of 2042. <laughs> Neutralize the reproductive acts for over 10 years in human society. It's coming. He'll also say that I flew to Chicago with no job, no place to live, and only a suitcase, and that I made the best possible life I could for myself, living every day at a time and hoping that each day was worth it, but not letting anyone else's legend define me. Be your own man, be your own person, be your own legend, because this is your journey. Thank you. Thanks, Tyler. Your family sounds fucking cool, dude. Fucking cool. Um, so I'm going to start out to say uh, the stories about the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Uh, more specifically, Rhoda Morgenstern. Uh, the actress who played her, Valerie Harper, is currently dying from lung cancer. Um, so if you love Rhoda as much as I do, throw some bones to the American Cancer Society, cancer.org slash donate. Uh, the story is called, You're Gonna Make It After All. Uh, 
I've been thinking a lot lately about getting what you want. Specifically, how getting what you want isn't fun. Um, it's about the journey, not the destination. And I know that's a ham-fisted thing to say, but listen. Um, I moved to Chicago planning a life out of Mary Tyler Moore. A fun, engaging job downtown, lots of berets. <laughs> Living with friends in a trendy neighborhood and cash to burn on groovy duds. Um, whoever they are uh, says that Lena Dunham's Girls is the accurate portrayal of my generation's lifestyle. Dude, fuck Hannah Horvath. I'm Rhoda Morgenstern. <laughs> she got everything she wanted and a spinoff. <laughs> and didn't perforate her eardrum to get it. Um, but what sucks is none of this made me happy. Uh, that is until a few months ago. I used to ride the train and I would laser eye hate stare anyone who tried to touch me. Um, now I hop on the blue line each morning singing like a bird, happy to be commuting with my book and my coffee like a little sardine. Um, so what changed? Uh, when I realized how unhappy I was, I reached into my douchey white kid tool belt. Um, <laughs> I'm a sociologist at heart and hopefully one day a professional sociologist. Um, so societal ills are my first investigation point. My parents are college educated, as are their parents. Children whose parents are college educated tend to do better in school. They graduate college sooner and at higher rates. And they have a higher earning potential than their peers whose parents don't graduate college. So I thought, maybe I'm not happy because I didn't earn this. Maybe I'm not happy because I'm not Rhoda. I'm Hannah's friend, Shoshana. <laughs> I'm a stupid, spoiled brat. Needless to say, I fell into a pretty deep shame spiral, um, and I thought I deserved to be there. Oh, great! Fuck! Now I'm Hannah and Shoshana. I'm an annoying bundle of neuroses. So I did what any stupid spoiled brat with mental illness would do, and I got an overpriced therapist. <laughs> so I resigned myself, if this is me, I better pay someone onto whom I can vomit all my feels. Um, and then I got happy again. <laughs> um, I wasn't anxious, and I swear to fucking God I know this is a trope, but I noticed birds singing. <laughs> Overpriced. I love you, Dr. Siegel. Please don't kick me out of your house. <laughs> uh, she helped me get to a place where I admitted that two small things make me happier than all the other Mary Tyler Moore shit that I had collected for my life. I like to fuss about decorating and baking and <laughs> stupid girly homemaker shit. <laughs> and I like to talk. <laughs> is that really how fucking simple it is? That two little fucking things can make me feel all 
Mary Tyler Moore again? That all I needed to be Rhoda was to arrange candles and chit-chat at work. (laughs) (laughs) I posed this plea to my therapist. Why is it so simple now? And she told me becoming an adult is not about reaching some giant goal that will make you happy for all time. It's a series of small decisions that you make about yourself. It's accepting that you're the kind of person who messiness is not a sign of a busy week, but of an unhappy mind. And that if I don't get my talky lady time in, I get really depressed. So I sarcastically mule from the therapist's couch, something that if you know me, you've heard me say a thousand times in a muley voice, it's your journey. <laughs> exactly, she said. <laughs> so sure, yeah, I'm a little Hannah. And I'm a little Shoshana, too. But that's okay, because even Hannah is annoying as shit, but has moments of brilliance. (laughs) Um, And Shoshana, in her juicy sweatpants, has shown herself to be a really good friend. Um, In reality, I'm I'm not really any of these people, especially not Rhoda. I don't have the headscarves for it. (laughs) Um, What's made me the happiest isn't getting some lifestyle that I stole from TV. It's finding and claiming the stupid little things, like being fucking awesome at making blueberry muffins. (laughs) That's true! (laughs) (laughs) It's that stuff that makes all the other bullshit bearable. Or to say it in that ham-fisted way, it's your journey. Sponsorship money from your therapist, that would be ball. What's the going podcast ad rate? Anyway, we're gonna do one more story tonight. Mr. Jeremy Connie. Stories are of the past, right? We experience them, take them in, we talk about them. Stories are in the past. Uh, I've talked about uh, in previous pieces about how your life can be treated like a story. You can, if, and you can get a lot of enjoyment from realizing that you're in the middle of an arc and in the middle of a story. I'm here to tell you, and I want to talk about tonight, a story that I'm building with you guys right now. You're in the middle of a story. A story that I'm purposefully involving myself with you guys because I love you guys so much. Um, previous pieces, I've talked about life as a story and getting things that you want. Uh, these are all been on purpose uh, because I feel there is great value in me saying things and then you hearing them. You being people, but more importantly, people that I care about. I feel like there's value to myself and value to others in that. A couple of months ago, I said that I wanted to do travel photography more. I wanted that. And a a couple of people here know that I just came back from a trip to California to do travel photography. And this this was a big thing for me. I had never traveled alone before. I'd never done a travel photography trip, and it was wonderful. Uh, I'd like to tell you a little bit about it. Uh, It is a journey in itself, and this story that I'm doing with you guys is a journey in itself as well. Uh, I got to climb the cliffs of... Big Sur 
which is a park in middle California on the edge of the Pacific Ocean, crashed. Uh, I had waves of the Pacific Ocean crash into me while I was trying to take sweet shots. <laughs> Super sweet shots. <laughs> I, I climbed down off the side of a roadway to try and find uh, a secret beach that I'd seen from the roadway, but in the middle between me and it was a bramble of bushes and trees that I fought through to get to sweet shots. It was awesome. Uh, I also, hearing from a local friend, uh, got to go to a hot springs that had a special deal that if you go at 1 a.m. at the Salem Institute, you get in for $20, what usually takes 200 and some, to legitimately sit in the hot springs of California. And I sat naked with uh, a bunch of nice people. And <laughs> And no, photos, no photographs were taken at that point. <laughs> but it was... <laughs> but it was a lot of uh, little adventures that I made up a great journey for me. And it started with me telling you find people that I was going to do it, and then I did it. Uh, and that is not the end. Uh, that is actually... We are in the middle right now. We are in the rising arc. Because, uh, and I've not, I've tried not to say uh, this to too many people because I wanted to save the announcement for tonight. Uh, I didn't announce it on Facebook, which is stupid that that is a thing that I should and try to do <laughs> nowadays. But I didn't do any social media, didn't tell uh, anybody as much as I could. But I have booked a trip to Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going for two weeks. Two solid weeks, like 14 days. And I know, do the math, right? <laughs> and this is part in part, and I think largely in part, to the community and the act that we have right here of me saying what I want to people that I love. Scotland's happening. And it's, it's going to be great. There's going to be sweet shots. <laughs> Thank you, guys. super awesome you guys and I you know I think there's a lot of truth to what Morris said that uh, and it's something Neil Gaiman said in the Sandman worded really well too the price of getting what you want is getting what you wanted I think that's true I also think something that a lot of other people have touched on is if you want something just fucking go get it like why not right right Jeremy like why not just do it so I hope that's what you all take away from this I hope what Dwight takes away from this is that it's time to sing some songs now um, when I and actually I owe this next song to Jeremy Connie because when I told him we weren't doing any journey, he's like, really? Not even one? I'm like, yeah, it's a little on the nose. And he's like, well, but you got to do this song. So I'm like, okay, Jeremy, we'll do this song. Yes.
The Nerdalogs present Your Stories is sponsored by the Chicago sketch comedy troupe The Nerdalogs and is recorded the third Sunday of every month at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago. The stories you heard have been prepared and presented by the speakers on a volunteer basis. Special thanks to Sean Patrick Boyle for his help with recording. Our theme song comes from the band Stage Shirt. For more information on The Nerdalogs, Your Stories, and everything else, go to www.nerdalogs.com.